1: Today's show is brought to you in part by hotels.com. Don't hate like your friends trip on Instagram. Book your own trip with hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. Today's show is also brought to you by Grip 6 Belts. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap and it is a great Father's Day gift. Grip 6 has a special offer for you at grip6.com/lock. That's L O C K E.
2: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 533 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, June 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. Lots of great stuff on the network for you right now, including the Locked On NBA Mock Draft, which has begun today, the first six picks including the New Orleans Pelicans, obviously. The New York Knicks are in there, I think. I don't know the draft order because who cares? The Raptors are in the finals. Not caring about the draft has been awesome this year. Uh, But if you do care about the draft and your team is bad, then please check out the Locked On NBA mock draft show on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. If you find a show on the network that you want to support, please, as always, subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Himalaya as well. If you are not in the market or if you're in the market for a new podcast app, Himalaya is the one to check out. It's got great. Uh personal sort of curating features you get suggested podcast uh, the, the, based on the subject matter you like they'll suggest new episodes of shows for you to check out you can comment like follow all that good stuff and it's absolutely free on the apple store and the google play store so please check out himalaya if you're in the market for a new podcast app all right on today's show we didn't really talk very much about the actual basketball that happened in Game 5 of the Finals on yesterday's podcast with Katie because uh, we were bummed out and we thought the feelings aspect of it was a little bit more important of the uh, from Game 5. So joining me today to talk about what actually happened in the game and look ahead to Game 6 and all that fun stuff is our pal Vivek. Jacob, what's going on, buddy?
3: Nothing much. Just hanging out. How are you doing? I'm alright. Do uh, were you bummed after Game 5?
1: I was bummed after Game 5. It sucked.
3: Yeah, it was just a very weird night. Um, Alex Wong and I were talking about it. It's probably the weirdest night that's happened at Scotia, Scotiabank Arena. Yeah, uh, Air Canada Centre going back, uh, and certainly one of the weirdest finals uh, games to ever watch. It the way it just things unfolded, everything after the injury and. Um, yeah, it was a bummer for sure.
1: Yeah, I my hope is that with a couple of days of downtime between the games, maybe everyone can take a nap. Uh, I've certainly taken multiple naps to try to get through uh, just sort of the the bummer that that game was. and I think people sort of taking some time to think about what happened and think about the fan reaction and all that stuff, I think it's probably gonna be good. I hope what happened in game five doesn't ultimately, sort of overshadowed the whole series, although I have a kind of an inkling it might, just because it was such a sort of traumatic experience for all involved. But the thing about that game is that all of the sort of bad feelings and discontent kind of overshadowed a really good basketball game that took place in the second half of that game. The first half was, I thought, also very good. And until KD got hurt, it was a really fun sort of tête-à-tête between two very awesome teams. The Warriors obviously closer to full health, even though KD wasn't exactly at 100% when he was playing. You could see like he just him and being on the floor and him being an unstoppable monster really really helped the Warriors. And I thought the Raptors were punching back pretty well, and it was a really fun start. Obviously, he goes down in the second in the second quarter, kind of just drags on and is a bummer for the next 10 minutes after that happens, but at the second half a real damn good basketball game broke out, and I thought it was a lot of fun, and I still haven't really talked about it very much just because it didn't seem like the thing that mattered very much yesterday, but uh let's go with our typical sort of off the top question Vivek like what was your biggest on court takeaway from game number 5 on Monday A
3: lot of threes for the Warriors. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean they finished with 20 of them,
2: Clay and Steph finished
3: with, you know, what was it was a 12 uh three point makes between them. Yeah. And little Larry even said after the game, right? Just, them attempting 12-13 threes each is way too many. They've got to find a way to get to the lines quicker and keep them off the line. And um this was probably the one game where they really let them get off. I mean obviously Steph had the 47 point game, but um in a game where you know you you had that big run towards the end they they sort of you know finished things off the way they started it. They started off with five threes um, you know, going five for five from three, and then they finished off with those 3 three threes to win the game. So, um, I, th- I thought that was the story of the game for
1: me. Yeah, let's uh, let's just get to it now. The last three minutes and ten seconds or so, maybe we can work our way backwards because there's a Kawhi outburst to talk about. Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka had their little uh, sequence at the start of the fourth quarter that was really impressive as well. But I think the thing most people are sort of thinking of right now are those final three o five where the Raptors only scored two points, did not actually see the basket go in the bucket. There was a goaltend called, and the Warriors scored nine points, all on threes from Steph, Tur- Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. And I think that's sort of where a lot of the consternation with maybe Nick Nurse and sort of the play of the Raptors lies right now. So let's start with the timeout at 3.05 to go. The Raptors force a stop on the defensive end. They get the ball. They're up 103.97. Kawhi has scored, I think, 10 of the last 12 points. And it's looking pretty good for the Raptors. I certainly was reaching for the bottle of Bambino I had in my backpack at the bar I was at. I was uh, I was very ready for like a celebration to happen. It felt like it was very close. It felt like the Warriors were sort of teetering, and then Nick Nurse calls that timeout at three o five. What did you think of the timeout at the time? What do you think of the timeout since then? Because I think you could kind of argue this both ways. Obviously, Nick Nurse argued it one way, saying that, hey, we're going to lose it anyway, and I thought our guys could use a breather. And then the other side is, hey, like, you had the Warriors on the ropes, and you gave them a chance to rest and kind of get their sort of shit together. And Draymond Green even said after the game that the timeout helped them. What was your sort of opinion then and now of the timeout? Do you think it was, like, some sort of, like... Unforgivable decision? Could you see the justification for it? Uh, Are we making way too much of this? Like, where where do you lie on this?
3: Yeah, I mean, in the moment, I don't think anyone had an issue with it. It sort of extended uh, the time you had to appreciate the run Kawhi went on. Uh, Everyone in the stands seemed to be cheering. Um, No one seemed to be shaking their head saying, you know, why why would you call a timeout Um, right in that moment? And You know, I went back and watched the game over, and you you can see Kyle Lowry walking up the court and asking for a timeout. Mm -hmm. Uh, So obviously there was some level of exhaustion uh, from the players. Um, And so I think in those moments, you know, Nurse has said over uh, over the course of this regular season and postseason that he is someone um, that takes in with the feedback that the players give him. And so if he's reading the body language and they look exhausted and his gut instinct at the time is telling him to call a timeout, um, then I think he has every right to do so. He's earned the right uh, by getting this far in the first place uh, and helping build this 3-1 lead in the, uh, against the Warriors uh in the NBA Finals, so I, I I didn't really have a problem with it. I mean, and frankly, he called two timeouts back to back because mm-hmm. uh, apparently that's how much rest they needed. So <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you know, uh, there was something to it, and you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and so you will look back and you know, maybe maybe now knowing uh, the the course of action that stemmed from that timeout, he if if Nurse could have it all back, maybe he wouldn't, um, but. You don't get to live life like that. So uh, Warriors go on a 9-2 run to close out the game. And uh, frankly, for me, there were a lot worse things that the Raptors did over the stretch of those three minutes uh, that cost them the game than you know, sort of that breather.
2: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, Helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Yeah, calling that timeout or those timeouts did not preclude the Raptors from finishing the game strong, right? Like, it's not like. Yeah. I, I've always kind of been a bit of. Uh, skeptic when it comes to like how much timeouts matter anyway like obviously sometimes they're called for to end a run or whatever but like ultimately I don't think they ultimately dictate the course of the game all that much and especially a situation like that where like the Raptors had played a very good quarter up to that point and gotten the lead we're up by six calling the timeout doesn't like zap them of their abilities like they're the Monstars state stealing Charles Barkley's talent right like they they still are like they rested the same as the Warriors. Like, they all, like that was all a much-needed rest for both sides, I think, probably. And, it's like, theoretically, it shouldn't have really changed the way the Raptors played. Maybe it sort of allowed the Warriors to kind of get their ducks in a row a little bit and sort of set up a game plan for the final three minutes. But I just think, like, the Raptors were going to, like... I just don't think it has that much bearing, As I guess, my, my, my point on it. So we're making too much of a big deal of it. Uh, the last three minutes, though, you mentioned, you know, the Raptors did not have an excellent final three minutes. They had a couple turnovers. There was a wide-open Kyle Lowry three on the wing that he missed. He then uh, threw it back. Sort of a weird decision to throw it out from in the paint and miss Marc Gasol up top, and then they had a backcourt violation. On the other side, the Warriors, they hit three threes, and there was the one possession that's gone around, the Clay Thompson three, where... He completely sort of like pump faked Kawhi Leonard out of his shoes after a really, really great passing sequence that started with Steph sort of breaking a double team and getting into Andre Iguodala who kicked out to Draymond, who swung it over. Like it was perfect peak Warriors basketball. It was awesome to watch. And I guess so my takeaway of the final three minutes is yes, the Raptors didn't probably execute the way they would have wanted to. But at the same time, sometimes the other very good team is going to do other very good things. And I think we kind of lose sight of that. I think Katie made the point yesterday that, like, in the playoffs, it's not like it's a zero-sum game where one team did well and the other team screwed up. Like, at this level, it can just be two teams both executing pretty well, and maybe the Raptors didn't execute to the fullest extent of their capabilities late, but I also think their defense was pretty good for the most part, and the Warriors just kind of picked it apart because of the Warriors, and sometimes they're going to do that, and sometimes the two best shooters in the history of the NBA are going to hit some shots, and you're going to lose that way um so I don't know like did you think there was anything like glaringly awful the Raptors did poorly or was it just sort of like yeah the Warriors played some good defense the Raptors offense was not good enough to match and on the other side same deal the Raptors defense was great but the Warriors offense was just a little bit better like I I don't know did did you find anything glaring that you're really sort of harping on now that you had a couple days to stew in it
3: uh the one thing I was upset was uh the final 15 seconds when the Raptors had the ball and had a chance to um when they game and they played out the clock Yeah, that wasn't a decision that I, I agreed with I thought you know you, you go for the quick two um or you you just go for the best shot available quickly and if you don't get it you can foul and then you can still go for a three to tie the game yeah which you know if you can get to overtime that's another 5 minutes that you have on your own floor so um I, that, that was the one big thing that I disagreed with, uh, just, just playing out the clock and going for the win. That, that, that seemed like more of a play uh, that you go to on the road, mm-hmm. and so the, that, that was definitely the one thing that I looked at in real time and was sort of uh, in disagreement with how they went about it.
1: Yeah, that was a very abrupt finish to the game. I was expecting a timeout, really, and then they inbounded, and it's like, oh, I guess we're doing this now, huh? And then it felt like Kawhi maybe waited a little bit too long to sort of make his move on the drive. And I think because of the lack of time on the clock, that probably allowed Iguodala a little bit more sort of freedom to come up and send that double his way. And, you know, with like less fear of repercussions elsewhere, just because of the lack of time to swing the ball elsewhere. And it's not like it was like a horrible look. I think Draymond made like a ridiculous defensive play. And I'm glad that it's come out in the time since the game that it was Draymond that got a hand of the ball and not Kyle Lowry who shot it off the side of the backboard because, God, the takes, the takes, <laughs> they, were, they were bad. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I was surprised they didn't call a timeout there. I, that's the one thing I'll agree with um, because, yeah, like, I, I'm all for sort of staying in the flow and not calling timeouts late if, like, there's a very clear advantage you're pressing and you would be... Eliminating that advantage if you were to call the timeout, but that wasn't really the case. They were inbounding against a set defense after a a, like a foul call, right? And it's not like the Warriors were sort of scrambling. There's no cross match that you could have taken advantage of. Like the Warriors were in their set defense, they knew exactly what they wanted to do, and they paid for it. And so, yeah, I think you can probably criticize Nurse for not calling the foul there, calling the timeout there, but at the same time, yeah.
3: And it's it's not is not even necessarily that you had to have a timeout to make that decision, right? We talk yeah. about the IQ of this team all the time. Yeah, I mean that that is something that they should have been able to recognize. I mean, we yeah. Kyle Lowry is the king of the two for one. That's kind of a two for one uh, backward situation, right? Where you yeah. get two cracks at at worst tying the game. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, timeout or no timeout, I think they should have recognized that you had, you know, two chances to get a shot up there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Disappointing sort of, like I said, abrupt finish and kind of just left you stewing in the feelings for a little bit because there was not really anything to process. It was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's done now. Uh, It wasn't like, you know, Kawhi's buzzer beater where there's a big lead up, there's a timeout, there's all this stuff or like game six against the Bucks where there was like eight seconds left where it was all but a formality. This one was just very up in the air. Like, what was your. What did you think? Did you have like a thought process when the ball swung to Kyle in the corner there? Did you allow yourself to envision Kyle Lowry walk off like three point like, hitter? <laughs> did you allow you to see that? Because I certainly envisioned that for like a couple milliseconds in my brain. And l- let me tell you, it made me pretty happy for a second there.
3: <laughs> Honestly, uh, I was in sort of work mode uh, at the time, so I couldn't really uh, have time to reflect in those milliseconds (laughs) uh, just because I had to get sort of a gamer up at the buzzer and I had sort of two gamers up because it was such a close game whether the Warriors (laughs) were winning or the Raptors were winning. Um, And I was just trying to make sure I got the right gamer up because that could have been embarrassing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So... Yeah, in the, in the time, honestly, I was just in work mode. Um, did it go in? No. You see and sort of got the story up. and Yeah, and then later I was like, man, that, that would have been pretty cool if Kyle was the one to hit the buzzer beater and uh, get the Raptors their
1: first championship. <sighs> would have been nice. <laughs> would have <laughs> <would've> been the <laughs> ultimate vindication for Kyle Lowry, I'm sure. Uh, but he's got another yeah. chance in Game 6. Uh, we can talk about Game 6 if you want. Was there... Any other parting shots, though, from Game 5 before we move on to Game 6? Like, anything that you liked? Anything? That, I mean, I thought Kyle was fantastic in the fourth quarter, and I thought he got kind of a raw deal for missing that three, and then having that turnover, yeah, that was not awesome, and then getting blocked, also not awesome, but, like, the Raptors are not even close to in that game, considering how poorly they shot without Kyle. Like, that dude, that entire fourth quarter, even the third quarter when they were starting to come back, it was, like, all Kyle... Just exploiting the very, very slow and bad Warriors bigs. And like seeing that advantage and picking it apart every single time down. And if I'm looking ahead to Game 6, I kind of like the Raptors' chances if he's going to be in that mode. Because like they were just completely helpless to stop it. DeMarcus Cousins, poor guy, was on skates the entire second half. And I, I liked what Cousins did in the game. He deserves to be commended for the play he had after... like, the, the, For the play he turned in after uh, KD went down. But, like... Kyle was the like before Kawhi went on his like supernova, two or three minute stretch there. Like Kyle was the reason they were even close, and I think that's kind of being forgotten. And maybe that's just the, the the deal when you lose the game, but I don't think that's entirely fair to Kyle. It doesn't really do justice to the game he had. I don't know. What did you think of the way he played and sort of how he figured into the comeback for the Raptors?
3: Yeah, I thought he had a really good game. I mean, especially in that fourth quarter uh you know the three uh, the, again that chemistry between him and Serge Ibaka that's been there all year so I thought that, that really really worked well for them uh when they made that comeback run in the fourth and overall you know it, it, I think we've seen over the course of this finals that he's done a great job of really recognizing when he needs to uh you know push to push the ball a little extra um and get the Raptors a quick bucket you know the whether it's off a goal mistake make or a miss, mm-hmm. um, where he's gone, you know, right into the heart of the defense and got himself to the line or uh, made a quick shot, so or you know, been able to penetrate and then dish out to the corners. So, um, I thought, I, I, yeah, I thought I thought he had a really good game, um, but a bit of a rough three minute stretch to end it, and unfortunately, people that still want to buy into that stupid narrative um, will, you know, play that part up more than anything and so yeah, you know I, I just think there's smarter people than that that don't care to talk about that anymore and rightfully so we don't need to discuss it
1: yeah no i am not going to entertain any ideas that kyle Lowry's not awesome because that's stupid um and i think the fact that the raptors are a game away from winning the title with him being the second best player on the team is enough proof there uh last thing before we go on to game six Pascal Siakam, he was benched yes. down the stretch of the game, uh, has been very rough from the corners pretty much all playoffs long, has not been knocking down threes with the same sort of effectiveness that he did in the regular season, despite being left very wide open on a lot of these shots. What did you think of the decision to bench him? Are you concerned at all about his sort of the ease with which teams are sort of leaving him alone? Does that, you know, bode well for like, is it you know, I, I don't know. It, it, there's, they need to win one more game, so maybe it doesn't matter all that much. And they've done, they've gone this far with him being sort of a little spotty from outside. But like, what did you think of the decision to bench him? I guess is the the real question to go here.
3: Um, I thought I thought it was the right call. I think he mm-hmm. really struggled in this one, and he's had a, an up and down NBA Finals if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh I think you're spot on with the three point uh, shot, the corner three. I think. And the three in general is something that teams you expected them to test uh, into the postseason to see if that form from the regular season would carry over, and we've haven't really seen uh, a over And I think he's getting he's in this stage now where it's maybe in his head a little bit. You can see some hesitation. You can see sort of oh I'm shooting it because I'm supposed to shoot it mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to you know I'm going to make it. Um, and you know, I, th- I think that does impact his game a little bit. I think you know, again, there are things that teams have uh, thrown at him that some might call a janky, you know, with the size uh, on him and uh, sort of just letting him shoot from the outside and uh, daring him to come and finish over the top at the rim. And you know, when he's able to get mismatches, he's he's been able to execute. Um, but you know, again, this is all a learning uh, process for him. You, you never expected him to be uh, this far along in his development uh, mm. so soon. And so I think all of this is just going to serve to uh, fuel his fire and just make him uh, that much better of a player going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the learning experience of being guarded by like three of the five best defenders on earth over the course of the postseason. Sorry, Jonathan Isaac, you're close, but not quite... Uh, <laughs> It's got to sort of help him just kind of be more impervious to lesser defenses going forward, I would think. Um, Also, I'm not sure how much I agree with the decision to bench him. Like, yeah, he wasn't hitting his threes, but like no one really was. And I do wonder, obviously hindsight 2020 and all that stuff, if maybe the Raptors defense in those final minutes would have been a little bit more sort of... Quick to rotate out and stuff like that. Maybe a little bit more switchable if he's out there. It's all very easy to retcon and say, "Hey, Pascal should have been out there for that defensive stretch." But um, I do wonder. Like that—that's something I, you know, he's really, really good at defense and just takes up a lot of space. And he is so sort of essential to what the Raptors are defensively, which is just such a good help and recover team that him not being out there. I know Norm, you know, was. Fine. He had the dunk. He was okay out there. But, like, I would have preferred to see Siakam for crunch time, I think. Even in place of, like, I mean, it's hard to say Van Vliet because Van Vliet was really good again. But I think there's a place for Siakam late in these games, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, he's really good. And his defense, while his offense is, like, that's kind of been his thing all playoffs, right? Is even in games where his offense isn't awesome, he's still providing like a couple like crazy athletic defensive plays here and there, like breaking up the pick the pick and roll with Paul George and you know a whole bunch of other instances of him just sort of changing a game on a dime because he is another guy who can sort of leak out and get on the run and is obviously a more sort of dangerous option than Norm Powell or even Fred VanVleet. I don't know. I'm not sure I totally agree with the decision to bench him, but can't do anything about it now, I guess, so we move forward. And I'm sure Pascal will have a heavy minutes load in Game 6, which goes down
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: <sighs> Game six. I don't think I'm concerned about the Raptors losing the series just yet. I think they are have proven over the course of the series that this version of the Raptors against the depleted version of the Warriors is the better. Like The Raptors are the better team in those two. They've kind of run, like dominated the run of play for the most part. Uh, you know, the Warriors have gotten unseasonably hot a couple of games and they've won them and they'll do that and maybe they could do that two more times. But I also don't think the Raptors are going to go 25% from deep again. And I feel pretty good about the Raptors' chances of winning the series. Whether I believe they can win at Oracle again, I'm less certain of, although I still feel pretty good. I don't know. What, What are you thinking? How are you sort of, you know, picturing game six going down? Do you think the Warriors stand a real chance of bringing this back to seven, or do you think without KD and potentially without Looney as well, it's just going to be too large a hill for them to climb?
3: Yeah, I think it is going to be very difficult for them as much as, you know, them knowing that this is absolutely the last game at Oracle and the fans will be geared up for it. I do think it'll be a very difficult game uh, for the Raptors, but I do expect them to come through Mm -hmm. uh, this challenge. Uh, again, over the course of the postseason, we've seen them, you know, overcome all these obstacles, and uh, every little bit of adversity that they've faced has made them stronger. And one of the things I alluded to in talking about this uh, when Alex and I did our videos for Yahoo Sports was that, you know, Marcus all had that great quote uh, that you know growth doesn't come uh, on your terms, mm-hmm. and as much as the, the fan base and the city and the country uh, wanted game five to be the game so that uh, they could get it done on their own floor and uh, you finish off the series in style. You know, maybe, maybe there was still a bit more that this team needed to learn uh, to earn that championship. Mm-hmm. And I expect them to take the lessons of, you know, the, the game in... Uh, in Toronto in Game Five, uh, those final three minutes especially, carry that forward, and you know the, the other thing uh, that's sort of in my preview for tomorrow's game uh, is that this is kind of the first game that the Raptors get to go into with certainty in what they're going to face. Yeah, and you know there's no there's no more um, you know uncertainty over whether or not Kevin Durant is going to play. Um, Clay Thompson is going to play. Uh, probably most likely Demarcus Cousins is going to start. So they've seen that look before. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, then, and so they know everything that they're going to go up against in this game. Uh, probably the, the most that they've known going into any game. Um, and so I think that that will, uh, bode well for them, uh, in this potential closeout scenario in Oakland.
1: Yeah. I think I, uh, I agree that, like, with the whole Marcus Saul sentiment that maybe they needed to go through this one more bump to truly sort of have earned it, and I, while it's not, like, the cleanest way to do it, you could have won it in Game 5, and it would have been nice, like, I made this point yesterday, I think yesterday with everything that happened, or on Monday with everything that happened in the game, like, it would have felt a little bit sort of dour to win and be celebrating while the Warriors are, like, going through whatever they were going through after that game, like... Would have been a very bizarre and sort of unsettling scene, I think, to like have the Raptors celebrating a title while Bob Myers is up there weeping on the podium. You know, right? Would have felt a little gross. So maybe this is a little bit more of a tidy way to do it, even though it'll be away from home if they can pull it out. I agree that the like the not having that sort of sort of Damocles hanging over the entire series in the form of KD's status, like that's probably got to be at least a bit of a load off the mind, probably for both teams. Really, like with the Warriors, they were obviously sort of you know, dealing with the uncertainty there too, and they didn't know what they were going to be going into each game with, but the Raptors, I think, preparing for a team becomes a lot easier when you know exactly what's happening, and I I think that's got to help them. I also just think, like, a lot of the things that happened in the last game are not super repeatable, right? Like, first of all, the Warriors don't win that game without Kevin Durant's early contributions, I don't think, because the Warriors don't have that lead early on. And obviously things would happen differently, butterfly effect and all this stuff if Katie doesn't play, but, like... The 11 points he had, and the three threes were vital, and were were really because the Raptors were playing really well early on, and the Warriors just kept punching back. Um, God, that was such a fun quarter. I just want to bottle that quarter forever because it was so back and forth and so high level. It was it was great, but yeah, I just think it's going to be tricky for the for the Warriors to sort of muster enough good performances together and sort of repeat a lot of what they did in the game on Monday like, between holding the Raptors to such a low percentage from deep, between getting their own 23s to to go down on 42 attempts. Like, I think the Raptors are probably going to make a pretty concerted effort to chase them off the line a little bit more. And if that's the case, like, I don't really see how the Warriors win the math battle. I mean, they barely won the math battle by hitting 23s to the Raptors' 8. Like, that's that's got to be concerning if you're the Warriors, right? Like, that seems so hard to repeat. So, I, uh... I think they probably close it out. The Raptors do on Thursday night, and I, I hope that it's—I don't hope it's not like a blowout or anything like that. Like I hope it's a hard-earned game and all that stuff. Like that there's something a little bit more sort of gratifying about that. I guess you can't really choose how it's going to go down, but as Marc Gasol has told us. But um, I just, yeah, it was such a weird Finals, man. I, I like—I'm still enjoying every second of it now that I've had a day to sort of decompress after whatever the hell happened Monday night. But it is a very sort of strange and bizarre finals. And I guess most finals have some sort of strange through lines, but this one in particular feels particularly weird. Um, my main question for you, Vivek, before, the last, before uh, we get out of here for game six will Patrick McCaw attempt a shot in game six?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I am. <laughs> I'm going to say no.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say no, too, because. Uh, That seems like a bad bet to put down. That wide open three, I know they ended up getting a dunk out of it um, off of a Kawhi pass. But, like, that open three Makah passed up was just, it was comedy more than anything, right? Like, I wasn't even mad. I was like, you know what, dude? Your commitment to the bit right now is unmatched.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, again, you, I think you make a great point about the uh, the variance of the three in Game five, 20 to eight. You know, you, do, you don't expect that to play out most nights. And um, to that to that point, you know, I, th- I thought Gasol was excellent. Um, yeah, and maybe God, he was I, so good. I, yeah, yeah, I, I thought he was great. You know, Kawhi sort of, you know, as great as he was in that fourth quarter stretch, you know, you you need a bit more from him for the first three quarters and so um, maybe playing off of of him a bit more as opposed to Gasol in the post um, gets you uh, a bit more of the three game going Mm -hmm. and so maybe that's something Nurse will look to do uh, in game six.
1: Yeah, I mean that bellwether for Kawhi, the assist to turnover ratio, usually when it's lots of assists to not many turnovers, the Raptors are kind of just picking you apart. He had five turnovers, though. And I thought they kind of they went back a little bit. Like I thought the thing they did best in Game 4 was they kind of did away with the Kawhi high pick and roll. And it was a lot of very quick, quick attacking ISO stuff or transition or sort of springing him free away from the ball with those little baseline screens and stuff like that. I thought they went back to the high pick and roll a little bit too much for my liking in Game 5. And I hope they sort of rectify that because... That we've talked about the whole series, like that's what invites Draymond Green to the party, and that is not what you want because he's very right. good at defense and is uh, is problematic. So I'd hope they stop just inviting those traps. Obviously, on the last play, it wasn't that they invited a, a, a trap there. Just Andrea Gidala made a smart play, but I don't think yeah. they'll do that every single time down in over the course of regulation. That was a very you know, specific circumstance, obviously. Um, yeah, it's still wild though that in a game where Kawhi goes for 26 on nine of 24 shooting, I still came away just with, like with like my breath taken away by how insanely good he was in that fourth quarter. <clears throat> I mean, it's almost you know, re- it's almost unbelievable that the Warriors pulled it out after that Kawhi run. That really felt like the hammer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, God.
3: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, so you know, we, we we talk about maybe maybe the championship pedigree, willing them to that win uh, in Game Two. This mm. was another level of that, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the ex, you're right, the the way it felt after he went on that run to put them up, what was it, 10397 with just over 3 minutes to go. Yeah. I mean, it it really felt like the end. You know, I I I find it hard to think of any other team in this league that could have come back from that on Toronto's home floor.
1: Yeah, the, like the Warriors are terrifying, and I will not—they're like the the villain in a movie that won't die. <laughs> like, they they really, really are. I'm not gonna like completely count them out until—and it's still been the case. Like, any time the Raptors are even up by like ten with like five minutes left, it's like, oh yeah, they they could easily come back. This is this is the Warriors, and they're horrifying. And Steph and Clay individually are two of the most unstoppable dudes I've ever seen, and I respect them immensely. And it's that whole like heart of a champion cliche stuff, but like, man, it's that they very much lend credence to that whole sentiment that like you can't knock a champion down very easily, and it's going to take a lot of work for the Raptors to do it. I think they can do it. I like I don't think there's any team that's not gonna be sort of deterred and thrown off by the weirdness of game five. Like it's probably the Raptors, considering how much they've come back from in this postseason. And that's why it's so weird to have that level of confidence in in a Raptors team, and it's still new, and I'm getting used to it. But like, it's a, it's quite a, a special group, I think, and I would expect that they pull it out in Game Six, and I hope it's resounding. I hope Kawhi has his moment. I hope Kyle has some moments. Honestly, if there's anything I want more than anything else is that I want for like a minute of garbage time at the end of the game where OG can get on the floor in the finals. That'd be great. Would love to see that. Um, obviously, they have to win the game for that to happen or otherwise something horrible has happened. But uh, yeah, it's – I think they can do it. I I've I think I've I learned from before Monday's game when I was very much just like – writing it in stone like oh yeah this is done raptors are taking it which i don't think i was alone in. i think a lot of people were doing that considering the circumstances but i think i've learned to not sort of write it write it in and i'll i'll wait and see what happens but i feel pretty good does that make sense
3: yeah uh, i mean if i'm being completely honest with you I, i feel better about this game than i did about game five uh I I told a few people that I didn't, I didn't feel great about game five. I thought I expected it to be really, really difficult. And I I was kind of thinking that the warriors might sneak it, sneak it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially once the news that Kevin Durant was going to be playing uh, was in. So yeah, I I, I do feel better about this game. And uh, again, nothing, nothing is set in stone against these warriors. So it's going to be difficult uh, either way. But um, again, yeah, you expect uh, the Raptors to take this one more lesson, and hopefully that'll be enough for them to get it done.
1: Yep, for sure. Uh, so get those championship T-shirts back out, baby. God, did you <laughs> see the stuff? Like, did you see the uh, the the preparations going on at all?
3: That has to be uh, no, so I, weird. I was I was told about it, um, but no, I, I I did not see. Uh, Bill Russell or the shirts or <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know the, every or you know the uh, the cameras being taped and all that.
1: God, that's got to be such like a a buzzkill. Although I guess the Raptors players themselves wouldn't have seen it, but even just like the people bringing it all out, like having to put it all back, like oh no, we spoke too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Weird behind the scenes stuff that happens at the finals. I'm sure there's plenty more weird stuff that happens uh, nothing weird happens with Vivek's on the show because you're so damn good at your job and uh, we're all very thankful for the work that you do with this podcast And at Yahoo Sports where can people check you out man
3: uh, yeah I mean first of all thank you for those kind words I appreciate it um, but yeah you can find me on Yahoo Sports Canada I'll find all my work there uh, I'll have tomorrow's preview uh, ready to go in the morning so you can check that out besides that you can follow me on Twitter at VivekMJacob
1: Sounds good, dude. Uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find me at WoodleySean on Twitter. Subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Himalaya. As always, stay tuned uh, for some fun stuff coming down the pipe, hopefully, if the Raptors win. And uh, you can also uh, head on over to Crip6.com and Hotels.com, the sponsors of today's show, to sample their... Delicious products. Delicious products. Belts and trips. I don't think those are delicious. But they're good products anyway. You should go and check them out. Uh, My brain is fried, dude. Uh, I'm very ready for like a nap for three days after the finals are over. But (laughs) in the meantime, we'll continue to have you covered here on Locked on Raptors. We'll have an episode probably – I don't think we'll have one before the game. This feels like it can double as our preview for game six pretty well. We'll probably have one on Friday after everything goes down in Game 6, so stay tuned for that. And uh, we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked On Raptors.
2: Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.